Kind of. Okay, so the passage um, that we are going to read, it's in your worship guide. It's up here on the screen. For those of you in the back, you probably can't see this. But we're continuing, and I'm so glad that we took this, this, this um, Philippians 3 and broke it up into two different sermons because there was so much there. But before we do so, I just want to say two, you know, well, one thing, but two people. Um, Sam, you know, Adams brought the word of God to us, and Jeremiah Foster brought the word of God to us. And I was able to be away you know, for a, a time and just worship with you guys online, and they just were so good. Just the word of God was so strong. So a lot of what we're talking about today is just is part of the foundation that those guys brought. And this is just basic grammar level information, but if you're not a part of Redstone Elizabeth, you may not know this. So what we don't want is for you to hear Jerry speak 100% of the time. You know, maybe 75% you know, percent of the time, but we need different voices coming and sharing and speaking the Word of God to us. And it just gives different perspectives. So just gospel-centeredness that's there was great, but you guys just did a really, really good job. And I just wanted to say uh, thank you for that. Okay, so let's look at the passage. This is Philippians three seventeen through 21. Colby Williams. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Okay, very good. Thank you, Colby. Let's pray together. Father, we've just heard your word. And now we're going to break it down. And I pray this every week, Lord. I pray that you would take your word and that you would speak to us those things that you would have us to hear and anything else that might be coming from me in the flesh, that it would just fall to the ground and be quickly forgotten. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're still on in this sermon called um, Press On. So we'll be very creative and call today Press On Part 2. So very original. So quick review first, okay? If you were here last week or if you were not here last week, let's see if you were paying attention. And thank you, um, Owen family, for bringing me a stool because I had an episode last week. I actually thought I was going to pass out. So this is great. Now I've got to fall back. So last week, truth number one, Christ followers blank, blank, and blank, blank, we always maintain forward progress. If you do not answer this, if no one says these words, I am turning my microphone off and I'm walking out the door. Right? Okay, very good. Christ followers press on and they strain forward. Okay, so one of the marks of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we do continue moving forward. It might look like this with highs and lows, Okay, but we do continue moving forward. There's, we, we were kind of fighting against this idea of, yes, Jesus, I ask you into my heart, uh, I want to go to heaven, and then you continue to live your life however you want to. That's, consist, that's inconsistent with everything that you see in Scripture. Okay, truth number two that we hit, as we follow Christ, we must intentionally maintain our blank blank regarding our blank. Who's got this one? 
We must maintain what? Short memories regarding our pasts. You remember this? Okay, so this is earlier in the passage. So if you, if you weren't here and you want to go back and if you want to look at the passage, you know, Paul is saying, I strain forward, but I forget what is behind. And we were saying, you know, really you can't forget the things that you've done. You just can't. But you can keep from being paralyzed by them and you can use them as a catalyst to point you to the grandeur of the gospel because the gospel people is saying that this one sacrifice from the perfect Son of God was sufficient to cover everything that you have done, the things that you do and the things that you will do. It was that powerful. It rests on His shoulders and not on yours. Okay, now this wasn't in the worship guide and you do have these in your worship guide so you can continue filling them out. But we talked about it a lot, so you ought to know it. Okay, Satan is the great accuser or deceiver, right? He accuses us, Revelation 12, day and night in hopes to bring, um, to bring guilt and to drive us into fear. And we just, we just sang this. In Christ alone, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. So even the words of the song that we just sang, this is what the enemy will do. He will bring guilt in your life. You are not worthy to be a part of this church. You are not worthy to be speaking to somebody about the name of Jesus because do you remember what you did? Do you remember these thoughts? Do you remember back in 85? Some of you all weren't even alive then, but that's when I graduated high school. Do you remember those things, right? And this guilt comes in, and what happens is we go into hiding, and if you're in hiding like Adam and Eve did when they sinned, you don't do anything to further the kingdom of God because your focus is on yourself, and the enemy's like, I love it. I'll just keep on bringing guilt into your life over and over and over, and then one day you'll breathe your last, last breath, and you will have done nothing for the kingdom of God. It happens all the time. He accuses us and we're saying, don't let that happen. The gospel is bigger than that. Okay, so now let's go back to the passage that Colby just read. This is Philippians 3.17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So brief history, I was saved as a sophomore in college at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, it's a long story, but the short version of it was that I was riding around with my buddies and everybody was drinking, and I went to a bathroom that night, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I looked in the mirror and I saw that I was, I don't, can't explain it, but it was a moment, and I said, I have been baptized. I said yes to something that a pastor asked me about you know, 10 years ago, but I am not a Jesus follower if I die, I am going to hell, and it scared me to death. So what do you do at 3 o'clock in the morning? You pick up the phone and you call your pastor, right? Which is exactly what I did. And um, I came to faith. I understand the, 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 the gospel. Um, but I went like a decade or longer even not knowing what I was doing. I didn't understand what discipleship looked like. I didn't understand that you read the Bible because you're trying to get to know Jesus. It's the relationship, not because this is something that Christians do. 
You know, that you go to church because it's there that you can worship and you can confess your sins and you can be reminded of the grandeur of the gospel. No, I thought, oh, that's just something that we do now. So now that I'm a Christian, I've got to read my Bible. I guess I've got to pray. I've got to change some of the music that I listen to and I should go to church, you know, more often. And I kind of went through that for a long season. And I had this moment. Um, it was just, I had these moments in my life. There's like fence post moments. We all have them, like these, these moments where this changed my life and then this changed my life again. Okay, so I had another moment where I just remembered I was like up all night and I prayed and I just realized what a hypocrite that I was and I did not like the way that I was living my life for the Lord. And I asked myself this question. I said, who do I know on this planet that is the most authentic Christian that I know, that is a man. And I had an answer. His name was Rusty Wishon. Rusty barely knew me. I picked up the phone and I called him on a Friday night. And I was like, hey, and we talked. I said, you want to meet with me on Wednesday? And that relationship continued for a couple of years. We would meet for a couple of hours. We would go into the Word of God. We would confess our stuff to one another. And as he was following Christ, and this guy was solid, I mean, he was a Navy vet. He had like these Popeye forearms with tattoos all over him. But when he got saved in his 40s, he understood salvation. So he just spoke straight. He told me what I needed to hear when I needed to hear it and what I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear when he knew that he needed to share it with me. And we had that kind of relationship. Rusty got cancer. He died a few years ago, and I miss him. Um, a lot, but he helped change me. He helped me to understand what discipleship looked like. And Rusty didn't have it all together. Rusty made mistakes. He did dumb things, but he walked with me as he was doing those things, and he helped me to see how we would how we pivot back to Christ in spite of the things that we would do. I remember six, seven, uh, seven years ago now coming to Redstone Johnson City, and I had been praying for another Rusty in my life. I'm like, I need a man in my life that is a serious Jesus follower, to walk with me. And I was taking communion one morning, and I had just finished taking communion, and I was sitting there by myself, and we were meeting at the Trinity Art Center, which is like this big. You know, it's just, it's really, really, really small. So if someone whispers, where are we going for lunch? Everybody can hear it, okay? It was like that. And I'm sitting there, and I was praying, and this guy texts me on the, texts me on the shoulder, and I look up, and he was like, hey, are you the guy that runs the Christian school? And I'm like, yes. He said, Providence Academy. I'm like, yes. He said, I've got some books for you. You know, I'm like, okay. And he was around 80 years old. And he said, here's my email. Just email me later. We'll get together. So the next day I drove to Irwin and I got to know a man that I speak often of. His name is John Kuna. John Kuna is this former South African pastor. Um, but beyond that, he's a deep follower of Jesus. And I just knew. I was like, this is the one I've been praying for, Lord. You've brought me another Rusty Wish on. So I still meet with and talk to. He FaceTimed me like two days ago. When we just, everything that I'm walking through in life and that he's walking through in life, we share it together. Okay? So look at this passage. You know, Paul's saying, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. My point is this. I've learned the importance of having godly believers in my life and walking with them as they walk with Christ, which leads to truth number three. We are to surround ourselves with people 
who are serious about following Jesus. That sounds so simple. But it's an intentional decision that we make. When you pick up the phone on a Friday night and you call a guy you barely know, that's intentionality. You know, when you drive to Irwin and you, you meet with a guy and you say, can you give me two hours every week? Because I need someone like you in my life. Um, that's intentionality. So the thing I want us to think about this morning as we're walking through this passage is how intentional are we in our Jesus fellowship and our discipleship? Discipleship, we make it more complex than it needs to be, and you've heard me say over and over, it's simply following and obeying Jesus. Okay, This is what you do as a disciple. And as a disciple maker, as you're following and obeying Jesus, you're bringing someone or you're bringing people with you along the way. So here's three questions for you. Who do you, think about this, who do you look up to as a Christ follower? You know, some of you may be like, I actually don't know the Lord yet. Okay, well, who do you know that is a solid Christian that you could go spend some time with? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm not where I need to be in my, my walk with the Lord, but I know someone who is. Same gender, someone who is. Do you schedule time with him or her or with them regularly? Now, I've said this over and over, part of our rhythms as believers is we must find time in, in our rhythms to be beside of unbelievers, okay? So don't take that out and say, okay, well, I really want to be around unbelievers, but I got, I got to take that off because I'm going to go spend time with this solid believer. No, it's both. You know, we are to be a light to the world, so we must rub shoulders and establish relationships with people that are unbelievers, but we also must be serious about discipleship, and one of the best ways that we can do that is to partner with someone else that's walking with Jesus and saying, as you do so, can I walk along with you? Second question, how about you? Are you bold enough? Listen to what Paul says. Are you bold enough to say to someone, follow me as I follow Christ? I mean, that's in essence what Paul is saying. He's saying, join in imitating me. And if it's true that what Paul said to us in the previous chapter is that he hasn't arrived, okay? He, he's not there. He has not reached glorification. He still struggles. And if you don't know that, if you don't believe that, go read Romans 7. He says, I know the things I should do and I don't do them. I know the things I shouldn't do, but I end up doing them anyway. Who shall rescue me from this body of sin and death? And then it goes on to chapter 8, verse 1, and it says, Thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus our Lord. He goes back to the gospel, but there's a struggle that we all have. I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, but I end up doing it anyway. Oh, God, what am I going to do? The answer is in the gospel. And Paul is saying, I don't have it together. I still struggle with these things like you do. So in essence, when he is saying, join in imitating me, what he's saying is, but know that if you do, I will follow along the way, but watch me as I confess and apply the truths of the gospel to my repentance. Watch as I learn to love my wife. Watch as I learn to lead my family, regularly pointing them to the gospel and watch as I learn to say yes to godliness and to say no to ungodliness. Uh, remember, you know, Jenny asked a question, or maybe it was Becca last week, I can't remember which one, and I just remember thinking, oh, that's Titus 2. Titus 2 says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all of us, and it teaches us, or it trains us to say no to ungodliness. It's something that we learn, it trains us, it teaches us. It's not something that happens automatically because you're a Christian. 
It's just not that simple. You know, over time, you're like, yeah, I don't think this is wise. I need to say no to that, and I need to say yes to this. That's what Paul's saying. As you follow me, know that I'm learning these things as well, but let's do it together, and let's be serious about following Jesus. What I'm saying is perfection is not a prerequisite, but honest and transparent Jesus fellowship is join me on my journey to know and to walk with the Lord as you strive for the same thing. He starts this passage with these words. He says, this word, he says, brothers. These are siblings. You know, he's calling them brothers. They're equals. You know, we're all equals in Redstone Elizabeth, and there is no super Christian that exists in this room. Romans 3.23 makes it so clear. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There is none not righteous, no, not one. So we're all desperate for Jesus, but we need to be desperate for Jesus and moving toward him together. Uh, Jeremiah, when he spoke a couple weeks ago, he was in the passage that spoke of uh, Paul and his relationship with Timothy, who he called a son. Okay, if you don't remember that, go back and look at it. And then Epaphroditus that he called a brother and a fellow worker. You know, and the question that was asked was, like, who's your Timothy? And who is your Epaphroditus? Um, you know, going back to truth number two, do you even have one? Or are you afraid to step in those relationships because you've got so much guilt in your own life that you're afraid that if people were walking closely with you, that they would see the real you and the fact that you don't always make the right decision and you don't always love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And sometimes you're a smart aleck to your kids and sometimes you have a short temper or whatever. And if they saw that, then they sure not, would not want to walk with you in a discipleship relationship. And that's the enemy. He wants to accuse you. He wants you to go into hiding so that you cannot be real. And what we're saying as a body is, no, let's be real, let's be transparent. We're going to fall. We need somebody to pick us up. But as we do so, let's go back to the gospel over and over and over. And then question number three, which is a serious question, if you're not doing this, if you don't have a Timothy, if you don't have an Epaphroditus, or if you don't have someone who is walking alongside of you, what adjustments do you need to make in your Jesus fellowship so that you can become an example to others to say, hey, come imitate me as I follow Jesus? We have to be willing to do these things. We have to be serious about discipleship. It's the last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven is go make disciples. He could have taken us home once we come to Christ, but he didn't. He leaves us here. I think I said it last week because the word of God says that we are now his ambassadors as though Christ is making his appeal through us. Okay, so we have to be serious about discipleship more so than anything else that we are serious about. Let's continue. Verse 18, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tear tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame 
with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, we'll come back to that one, to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Did you see the first word that he used there, the enemies? Enemy is a pretty strong word, but borrowing from the word of God, Jesus himself says, if you are not for me, you are against me. That's binary. It's either black or it's white. You're either for me or you're against me. And if you go to the book of Revelation, he says, if you're just lukewarm... I'll just spew you out of my mouth. I didn't say that. That's what he said. And Romans says that if we're not followers of Christ, we're actually at enmity with him or we're, we're actually hostile toward him. As I was um, recently reminded in a conversation that I had with a friend who's not when walking with the Lord, it comes down to this pretty simple question. Who is on the throne of your life? Are you on the throne of your own life or is Jesus actually on the throne of your life? And if you're on the throne, then your thoughts are hostile to God and you are at enmity with him. Verse number 19, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Whatever earthly appetite that they have is what drives them, whether it be a next meal or the things of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You know, First John, you know, chapter two. These are the things that are that are our nature just goes toward, and that's what he's saying that it looks like when you're an enemy of the Lord. And their glory is their shame. Not only do they live and think contrary to the ways of God, but they kind of laugh about it. Yeah, it's just the way I am. Yeah, just the way that I am, and um, that that's where their glory is. With their minds set on earthly things, those who love this world more than they love Christ and have destruction as their destiny. Their bellies always want more and more, and their appetites are for the things of this world. That's the, what they think about, earthly things all the time. So when you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, those are people outside the church. They need Jesus. So lest we only picture in our minds those individuals that are far from the Lord that are not worshiping Jesus this morning, let me give you an example from Scripture of someone that we might find at Redstone Church Elizabethan. Listen to Paul's words, okay? This is someone by the name of Demas. Demas is mentioned three times in Scripture. Colossians 4.14, Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Paul's mentioning Demas. This is a guy who's working alongside of me in the church uh, Philemon 1, 24 Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. And then listen to this. you got to hear this, people. This is Demas, 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10. It says, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, who is in love with this present world, has departed, and he's gone to Thessalonica. This was a guy that was in the church. This was a guy that was on the setup team. You know, this was a guy that was whatever. You know, fill in the blank. 
he was helping with vacation Bible school or he was helping with church planting. But the truth of the matter is his heart loved the world more than he loved Jesus. It's Judas. It's knowing the truth. It's having mental assent to the truth. There's a scary passage. We won't go into it today, but it's in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. But it's that. It's tasting the things of God. It's understanding the truth, but choosing to walk away from it. Um, that's what we're talking about here. And this is why this is called press on, because the mark of someone who's a true believer in Jesus Christ is someone that may be drawn to the world, but they're going to come right back. They're going to come back and they're going to continue to press on with their walk to Jesus. This is why I said last week I prefer the term perseverance of the saints. That's a hard word to say. Over once saved, always saved. Because Demas and Judas could have been individuals that at some point in time they could have raised their hands, they could have been baptized, they could have been Bible readers and Bible study attenders and what have you. But then later they could have just went back into the world and said, yeah, but that's okay, because remember back in 1985, I raised my hand and I was baptized, so I'm still going to heaven. Scripture would, would push against that, because if, there's not, is there, if there is not a continual walk toward the Lord, then maybe, just maybe, you never knew the Lord to begin with. Examine to see whether you're in, your, in the faith. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ live, lives within you unless, of course, you fail the test? That's 2 Corinthians 13, 5. There are several examples in Scripture where people believed Jesus, but then when the going got tough, they walked away. James even says that the demons believe. They have mental assent that they understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but that is not saving faith. Make a note of this one if you're making notes and go back and look at it later. This is 1 John 2.19. This supports what I'm trying to say that Christians press on. 1 John 2.19 says this. Listen, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. That's Demas. He was with us, but he didn't, he didn't stick around. At some point in time, he really loved the world more than he loved the Lord. So he just went back into the world. And what that did was it shows us that he truly was not a follower of Jesus. Now, if you ask me, do I believe in eternal security? I'm going to say, absolutely. I believe in the doctrine of eternal security, that those the Lord saves, He saves for all eternity, and no one can snatch them out of His hands. But I do fear that, especially in the Bible Belt, that there is a lot of easy believism, giving verbal consent to the truths of God, but not living a life consistent with someone who has the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead living within them. Because if that's there, it changes the way you live. At some point, you have to say no to ungodliness and say yes to the right things. It's a struggle. Paul says, I'm on a journey. I haven't arrived yet. Okay? But Christians press on. Now, to the individual that's sitting in the Boys and Girls Club this morning, 
that's a true follower of Jesus, you love the Lord, but there's this one besetting sin in your life, or there's this one thing that you've done, and you're like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm a Demas. Maybe I don't know the Lord. Well, it's okay to examine yourself, and I'm not going to have that conversation with you. Just take that to the Lord. But don't let my words trip you up. The gospel is enough, okay? If you're someone who continues to go back to the Lord, if you continue to step into the gospel and gospel understanding, and if you continue to confess, then that in itself shows that you're a follower of Jesus. You're remaining. You may, again, be up and down and have some struggles, but you understand that there's nothing you can do to earn righteousness. All of the righteousness has been imputed to us because of what Jesus has did. It's that glorious word that we keep on embracing, propitiation. It's the mercy seat where the holy God comes to the unholy people and he takes all of the wrath upon himself and that's, he's just to do so. And then he says, and I am going to love you for all eternity. It's because of what he has done. So don't beat yourself up because you're a sinner. Jerry is a sinner as well but continue to press on and your pressing on will show that you are a follower of Christ. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in the Son. If you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. And if you don't have the Son of God, you don't have eternal life. Again, binary, either you do or you don't. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. He says, I say these things to you so that you might know that you have eternal life. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God, and you believe that beyond verbal assent, but it changes the way that you live your life, then you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the key reasons Christians are able to continue to press on is found in truth number four. Because Christ's followers recognize that this is not our home, and we await, that's an interesting word, we await our coming Savior. My wife fusses at me when I go too fast on these, so let me back up. Christ followers recognize that Jesus, that this is not our home, and we await our coming Savior. Can I move on? <laughs> okay. Philippians 20 again. But our citizenship is in heaven and in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. I've got this section of, of a commentary that I read that I was going to read to you, and I, I probably won't because it's lengthy, but at the end of it, he says that the people of God are, and this is us, a community of hope, with eager anticipation. We're a people that follow Jesus with hope because we know that there's something to look forward to beyond this world, beyond COVID, and we await it with eager anticipation. If we're serious about Jesus' fellowship and it's reflected in the way that we live our lives, the things that we do and don't do, how we steward our time, and so on and so forth, then we will be people that have confidence that we're believers and we will actually await Him to come back. And you may be saying, I'm not there. I'm not there right now. Okay? The foundational passage for this study 
is Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you, he began a good work and he will bring it to completion. Christianity, Jesus' fellowship is a process. But as we continue to step into these conversations and step into the Word of God to see what the Word of God says, it needs to drive us closer to Jesus' fellowship. We should walk out of here today with a deeper understanding that I need to make some adjustments in my life. There are some things I need to give up. If you're a father, the best thing that you can give to your kids beyond vacations and Christmases is to live a godly life and to point them to Jesus. Same thing as a mother, same thing as a friend. This is what we are to do and all of us in here are sinners that have fallen you know, short of the glory of God, and we are in process, so we all need to make adjustments. But if we can continue to make these adjustments, we can be like Paul and say, I await our coming Savior. Or like John who says, even so, come Lord Jesus. A community of hope with eager anticipation. I had to laugh when I read verse 21. So go back and look at 21 again. Um, yeah, there it is. Lowly body. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious one. I would just be amiss if I did not tell you how much fun I had reading and thinking and praying through this one as I was preparing this sermon. A lowly body without pain and sickness these are my doctor's words from two weeks ago. He said two things. He said, Jerry, he's a, he's a believer. He said, your body is decaying because of sin. I'm like, that's so good for me to hear from a doctor. You know, it was. He says, your body is decaying, but it's because of sin. He said, so is mine. All of our bodies are decaying, some a little faster than others, but we are in decay. We are dying. We are getting older. And if you're not believing that, then you just got your ears and your eyes covered. It is true. And then the second thing he said was, you are actually older than you were two weeks ago, which I thought was pretty profound. I'm like, what? He said, yep. And every single day you're getting older. So when I started looking at that thinking, see, I've got internal medicine, I've got cardiology, I've got urology, now I have neurology and I have orthopedic. These are my rounds that I'm running, which is why I've had a seat. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and all of these doctors say, yeah, and you need to take this pill or this pill or this pill. And there's this old movie. It's got John Travolta and Robin Williams in it. And, and John Travolta takes all these pills and they get mixed up and he takes the wrong ones. And it's funny. Um, but if that's, if that happened to me, you know, then I don't know, I would be a mess. I'd probably be asleep right now. And I look at this and sometimes those frustrations of the medical stuff can just drive me crazy. Now I'm only using that as an example to be real with you as your pastor, because None of that matters. We've all got issues. We've all got struggles, okay? But the point is that all of us are living in a world where there is decay. And we have to be okay with that as we await a Savior and understanding that one of these days we will be given a glorious body. We will be transformed into a glorious body. It's okay to say, man, I hate the struggle, and man, I hate the pain. And I really do look forward to one of these days having a glorious body. It's okay to say that. 
And it makes me just say glory. Praise the Lord, I actually have hope. We are in decay, but we don't stay there. We will not stay there. Sometimes in this world, and sometimes I in this world, just try to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Do you ever do that? Contrast that with the Lord who says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is actually made perfect in weaknesses. Sometimes the decay that happens in our lives, even physically, is a blessing from God because it makes people like me who can be very prideful and very arrogant. Pastor, depend upon King Jesus and bring humility to my life and make me completely dependent upon Him. That's not a bad decay, people. That's not. It's okay to embrace that. If that's what it takes for the Lord to use us because we're listening and we're dependent upon Him, we shouldn't run from that. We should embrace it. Jesus says it this way. In this world, you will have trouble. Or in this world, you will, will is a key word here, people. All have sinned and all will have trouble or tribulation. You will, and I will. It may not be medical. It may be something else. But we're going to have pain, trial, tribulation in this world because this world, just like our bodies, this world is decaying and it is tainted by sin. Or as Rich Mullins, if you know who Rich Mullins is, please raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <sighs> Rich Mullins is one of my heroes. And here's what he says in one of his... This, this, is the, this is the song I've been singing to my family all through vacation and beyond. Rich Mullins says, there's bound to come some trouble to your life. Sorry about this, Sam. He does a double negative. But that ain't nothing to be afraid of. There's bound to come some trouble to your life, but that ain't no reason to fear. I know there's bound to come some trouble to your life, but reach out to Jesus and hold on tight. He's been there before, and he knows what it's like. You'll find he's there. Now, I can sing that if you want me to, but I may not. Lowly body, yes, but one of these days. One of these days. And I close with this important reminder from 2 Corinthians 4.16. Look at this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, those are the things that are in this world, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We do not lose heart. 
our inner self is being renewed day by day as we press on. These are light and momentary afflictions, and they're preparing for us something for all eternity. And because of this, because we have a Christ who is eternal and a faith that is eternal and a hope that is eternal, we can say that we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body to be like His glorious body, to which if we're serious about Jesus' fellowship, we all should just say, glory, even so, come Lord Jesus. But we're not all saying glory, and we're not all saying even so, come Lord Jesus, which is why I'm preaching this message. Because some of us, we've got to make some decisions and some adjustments in our lives. So, how high or how low is your standard as a follower of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's a separate conversation. We can talk whenever you want. But how high or how low is your fellowship of Jesus? Do you aspire, like Paul, to really know Him? And for Him to transform your life to the point that others would look at you as an example and be the person that they would call on a Friday night when they're desperate. And if not, I pray that maybe this morning that God would help you to raise your standard for Jesus' fellowship. For if we live that kind of life, we will have no problem saying, even so, come Lord Jesus, I await your return. The charge is, the call is, that we be serious Jesus followers and that we surround ourselves with serious Jesus followers and continue to remember that we're pilgrims. We're not citizens here, and we're not home. Let's pray. In a moment, I'll open up with a microphone for anyone who wants to share, if there's any pushback, questions, or thoughts. But this is a moment, Lord, that we ask that you take your word, not my words, but take your word and stir our hearts. Show us if we are in hiding because of guilt. And may we embrace the gospel that it might trample that guilt. Show us if our standard is too low. Lord, show us where we need to say no and where we need to say yes. Reveal to us, Lord, if there is someone that we need to reach out to and say, hey, can I walk with you as you follow Jesus? We're all at different places in our walk. Meet us where we're at. Speak to us in this time.